0: Most times, when Christian podcasters take up a topic like this, we tend to get preachy about not entering into an unequal yoke where you have a Christian marrying a non Christian. While we fully agree with the truth of scripture on that subject, in this episode, we want to look at this issue more from the perspective of how to best face this issue as a couple when you find yourselves already in a marriage where you don't share your faith or even don't share convictions about your shared faith to nearly the same degree.
1: The Marriage Podcast for Smart People is designed to help busy couples like yourselves move away from conflict and unhappiness to build a marriage you'll love today and treasure for a lifetime. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Learn how you can help save marriages, prevent divorces, and keep families intact by going to oif.support. Once again, that website is oif.support. And now, here are your hosts, Caleb and Valinda Simone Gundel, from Only You Forever.
0: Welcome to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. If you want to build a thriving, passionate marriage, we've got the research, the truth, and the answers you're looking for. We have an encouraging episode for you this week. This is episode number 227. And Today, we're going to be talking about what to do when your spouse doesn't share your faith or your level of spiritual commitment in your faith.
2: Hey there, before we get started, if you missed last week's episode, we discussed when your spouse has let him or herself go and you're not attracted. A delicate episode but an interesting one and helpful. So that's worth going back and checking out. Also, make sure you hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any upcoming shows from us.
0: If you're struggling with your marriage, we offer sound research-based advice, and most of all, we offer hope. So let's get into the topic of differences in faith, or even if you share your faith, significant differences in conviction around that faith.
2: All righty. Feel like I have a couple spots where I do disclaimers in this, but, uh, let's just roll with it, Verlinda. Okay. So we're born again Christians and we believe that salvation comes through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we believe that biblical Christianity is a faith, not a religion. So in other words, the blessing that God has for Christians comes through faith in Christ and not through a set of religious practices, law-keeping, or following a set of rules, which translates into the fact that we don't think of our own faith as a religion. So we don't normally call our faith-based practices religious practices. But in the research literature, nearly all studies lump anything to do with God or faith or belief systems under this term religion or religious views or religious practices. So for the sake of keeping things simple, we're just going to roll with the most commonly used terminology in the research journals as we go through this. Okay, That's for our listeners that, that may not be used to hearing their Christianity talked about as you know religious practices, right? Which is many, many of you that are out there today, and we're glad you're all here and uh we just uh, we appreciate your journeying with us as we integrate research and biblical truth together. So, to start off, there is strong evidence that religious views and spirituality have positive effects on marriage. Strong evidence in the research. Okay, and there are a number of reasons for this. A study in 2015 documents four of them. Christianity promotes positive values like love, faithfulness, patience, forgiveness, kindness; those sorts of things, which are all good for marriage. Okay. Uh, the second point is that Christianity also encourages positive behaviors such as putting your spouse's needs before your own, resolving conflict positively, and regularly connecting through joint prayer and church attendance. Mm-hmm. All good couple activities and pro-marriage, right? Christianity teaches that marriage is sacred. That's the third point, meaning that those with religious beliefs are more likely to remain faithful and committed to the marriage over their whole life. Okay. And Christians have stronger support networks than non-Christians because of their church communities, giving them more people to turn to for support and guidance. Okay. So, these are how faith translates over to marriage benefits and it all means that when both spouses are of the same faith and both place high importance on their religious values and practices, then marital satisfaction is normally high Okay. in that case. And this has been documented in the research. Okay. Now, when your spiritual values don't align, so when one spouse is very committed to their faith and the other is not, or when one spouse is religious and the other isn't at all, or when spouses are committed to different religions or have entirely different belief systems okay this is these are all different ways that you can have misaligned spiritual values yeah those can all impact the marriage but it may not be for the reasons that you expect
0: so what are the reasons then
2: okay so and again a little disclaimer here so i we do some generalizations and in fairness we're dealing with studies of the general population so i'll say something like non-religious people will probably display less actions that are good for the marriage And just notice when I do that, there'll be tentative language in there, like, will probably. So please don't be offended if you're listening today and you're non-religious. We're reporting on statistical issues here, and you personally may well be an exception to that. We acknowledge that there are highly religious people who are terrible marriage partners. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And we acknowledge that there are non-religious people who are devoted, loving, magnificent spouses, right? Okay. So we're not making global statements, or we're going to try not to. We're just pointing out general trends in a population. So if you're an exception, great. And if not, I hope you'll make some room to consider what the research is saying, whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, or regardless of how strongly you practice your Christianity. Think about how you might apply these things into your marriage as we do to ours. So again, then generally... Spirituality leads to attitudes and actions that are good for marriage. If one spouse is non-religious or is less committed to their faith, they'll probably display less of these helpful actions and attitudes. Oh, okay. And this was actually tested by in a study uh, by a researcher with the last name Samuel in 2015 who interviewed couples where one spouse placed high importance on their faith and the other spouse did not. And the study found that the non-religious or the less religious spouse was often happier and higher had higher marital satisfaction what? than the religious spouse. Why? Because their religious spouse would act based on their own spiritual values of love, kindness, and forgiveness towards their non-religious spouse.
0: Uh, Okay, yeah. So
2: this value system is driving the religious spouse, and the non-religious spouse is happier because of the benefits they receive from that. Yeah, they're
0: receiving all the benefits.
2: But here's the thing, is the religious spouse often had lower marital satisfaction because their non-religious spouse would be less likely to act based on those same positive Christian values. Huh. So the religious spouse still acts in ways that are good for the marriage, but it's not reciprocated, and that has an impact on the marriage. Okay, now, another impact area is that there are less shared experiences in a couple that finds themselves in this situation. This may not be immediately obvious, but when you're mismatched, when your faith levels are mismatched, for example, you're less likely to attend church together, Right. or okay. you may not have the same degree of overlap in terms of social network and activities, and you do often do not pray as much together. So the loss of the shared experiences can also lead to lower marital Happiness, and this was documented in a study by a group of researchers in 1990.
0: So, is that like because they're doing things on their own rather than together?
2: Yeah. In other episodes, and I don't have them at the, off the top of my head here, but in other episodes, we've talked about the importance of shared experiences, mm-hmm. like doing stuff together, right? Okay. So, when you're not going to church together and you're not praying together, like a lot of those things are missing that would otherwise be absent in a in a shared faith scenario. Okay. Yeah. So once again, as we're going through this, we've uh, created a bonus guide for our much appreciated supporters. And this week's guide is for those of you who are actively engaged in your Christian faith, but are married to someone who is not practicing or who does not share those values and our our bonus guide offers you additional teaching on how you can stay strong in your faith even how to carefully examine how your own walk with the lord appears to your spouse so i think it's a it, it could be very very useful for you to download this and you can get it by becoming a patron of the marriage podcast for smart people and we'll just take a quick 60 second break to tell you more about that
1: what happens when the fairy tale marriage meets reality Too often, high expectations lead to disappointment, communication breaks down, and the struggles of day-to-day life become overwhelming, leaving you feeling lost and without hope. Unfortunately, marriage does not come with an instruction manual. Marriage troubles are deeply personal and can take a toll on you, your spouse, and your family. Counseling can be expensive and divorce is very costly. It doesn't have to be this way. Caleb and Valinda understand your pain and frustration. Their mission is to help save as many marriages as possible. And to date, thousands of couples are helped through their weekly podcast. But the most important marriage they want to help save is yours. With a minimum of a $10 investment a month, you gain access to exclusive bonus content and valuable information to help you succeed in your own marriage. Learn more about saving marriages and how you can help at oyf.support. That's oyf.support.
2: You're listening to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People. Before the break, we were talking about how couples with mismatched religious values often have less shared experiences. Mm -hmm. And now here's another thing is that there's an impact of all this that happens over time, like over the long term. Again, it may not happen to everybody, but in marriages where spouses are mismatched on their religious values, the strength of these values tends to decline over time.
0: For both spouses?
2: No, for the more for the practicing for, spouse. Okay, okay. If your spouse is not strongly religious, it becomes harder for you to keep attending church and practicing your own faith. And so your own beliefs mm-hmm. can tend to slip or the mm-hmm. practicing of them. Mm-hmm. This decline in beliefs leads to a, a decline in the positive attitudes and actions that are associated with your faith or your religious values, which leads to a decline in marital satisfaction. Is this
0: actually in the research? Yes. Wow. Okay.
2: Yeah. And so the main message here is that mismatched values, religious values do not in themselves harm your marriage here. They do not necessarily cause conflict or cause you to disagree on important life issues, although those things may happen, but instead the mismatch simply causes you to miss out on all the positives that shared religious values bring to your marriage. And over time, it's challenging to maintain your own faith values and practices when you don't have that shared appreciation for those values. Yeah, That's the challenge, right? Yeah. And, and of course, one thing I appreciated going through is I said we weren't going to pre- get preachy and we're not, but one of the things I appreciated oh, going through this is it did, no, it did underscore the advice of 1 Corinthians, which says to not be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. Right, right. Because it, it adds all these challenges that aren't present when but, you share your faith.
0: You can be unequally yoked with a believer, though.
2: Yes, you can. You can. I've called that the uneven yoke. It's not a biblical oh. term, but
0: oh, it like captures
2: the idea. And yeah. uh, it's... It's not my name. I got it from somewhere else. Too. Oh, so, well, I thought it sounded, Thanks. I'll take the credit smart. for it. <laughs> so, so, let's say you're in this situation, right? Mm-hmm. And you're facing it regardless uh, whether you made the choice or whether you became a Christian after you got married, whatever. How do you keep your marriage strong? And the good news is that there are things you can do to offset these challenges. And, and in one way, this particular issue is just another facet of the classic marriage dilemma. You can't change your spouse... But you can change yourself.
0: But that's hard to do when you feel like you're doing what's right. Maybe I just need to listen some more. Yes.
2: Here. Yeah. So I'm, I mean, maybe I don't have that in here, but maybe because
0: uh, just listening to that, it makes it sound like I need to change to be more like them, like to be less religious, less strong in my okay, convictions. Okay. Okay.
2: Well, let's go through this and see how it goes. Okay. Number one, stay strong in the faith. Marriages decline in quality when spouses lose their religious beliefs and practices. So for the strongly religious spouse keeping strong in your faith will stop your marriage quality declining Okay, as it relates to these issues. And
0: okay. we'll give you
2: some ideas, great ideas of how to do that in the bonus guide. Okay, But this is an encouragement to hold on to what you have. And then as part of that, maintaining those positive behaviors that we talked about. So positive attitudes and behaviors may come more easily- to a religious spouse, but there's no reason that the less religious or the non-religious spouse can't use them too. So I'm aware of the fact that we might have both sides of the equation listening to us today, right? Right. Right. So for the less religious spouse in a couple working on showing the same attitudes of faithfulness and love and forgiveness and so on, all those good things, they will help keep the marriage strong. You don't have to be religious to do those things. Yeah. You can still be committed. You can still be loving. You can learn how to forgive most Christians have trouble learning how to do that too, right? <laughs> yes. So, okay. both parties can keep those positive behaviors up. And then communication is another one, as we always seem to come back to. So, in couples that have different faiths or a different commitment to their faith, conflict can arise when one spouse wants to make decisions based on religious teaching or morals, and the other does not. And it's easy to go, well, we never will share the same belief, so therefore we won't solve this conflict. That's a, mm, It's okay. easy to go that road. Yep. But the use of Positive, helpful conflict resolution strategies in these situations is a strong predictor of marital satisfaction, even if you do have that difference in faith. Okay. That's from a study uh, actually back in the 1960s.
0: That's older than we are.
2: Yes, by quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And then another thing that you can do is both of you need a strong sense of identity. So religious belief forms a big part of a person's identity, gives them a sense of who they are, provides a strong social support network. People who are less religious may not have that sense of identity and purpose or the same level of support, and that can lead them to feel isolated, having to try to fit in with beliefs and people that they don't really agree with. So this is kind of the awkward go to church with your spouse thing, right? Right, okay. Right? It feels isolating. It feels different. So if your spouse is much more religious than you are, it's important that you also find your own sense of meaning and purpose, your own support network, your own identity, rather than trying to merge with your spouse's beliefs. And I don't want to dissuade you from becoming a Christian here, but this is this is still kind of the classic marriage dilemma. A study from 2007 described this as finding balance between togetherness and individuality, which really every couple needs to do anyways. Mm-hmm. And ideally, I would encourage you to consider your spouse's Christian faith, but not engaging in that faith through their relationship to Christ, but pursuing your own relationship mm-hmm. with jesus christ
0: okay
2: we all need to have our own journey we need to have our own new birth into the family of god so rather than just obliging your spouse or even being indifferent pursue your own relationship with god read the bible for yourself as a way to figure out what your own needs are what your own goals and desires are for life as well okay so it can still be individuated uh, while exploring togetherness yes
0: <laughs> okay
2: you have something brewing i can see it
0: yeah, I just don't know that this is the route I would have taken if I was
2: What route would you have taken?
0: I don't know. that's the problem. Because I'm more of the, and I know this is something I struggle with, but like if you don't agree with me, then I want to convince you that I'm right. Right. So I guess that's where the you know the conflict resolution, communicating when you disagree and all that yeah, kind of comes in.
2: But yeah. I agree
0: it has to be an individual thing, like you can't. You can't have your faith on, what is it, on the shirt tails of someone else or the coattails right. of someone else. Like It does have to be individual.
2: Yeah, and this is the tough part of, you know, you got to let even the people you love very closely and care about deeply have their own journey. Mm-hmm. Can't control the outcome. Like, we all have ideas of what's best for other people. Right. And, and some of those ideas are objectively true based on scripture. Mm-hmm. But if you don't believe the scripture, then they're not true to the other person in the sense of they don't see the truth, right? Mm-hmm. So you okay. still can't force it. No. But this is where we come back to Peter who says to, you know, to live what does Peter say? Basically asserting to live just maintaining your own faith and your own testimony honest before God, so you're maintaining your own values and it's the witness of of Christ through you in your marriage. But you still can't control the outcome or the impact of that on your spouse. Right. You can certainly pray about it.
0: Yeah. But everybody's got to make their own decisions. They
2: do. They do. Yeah.
0: All righty. I think that's a wrap for today. Thank you to Melissa and Katie who became patrons between this recording and our previous one. To all our faithful supporters, we appreciate you immensely. So thank you. Next week, Caleb.
2: We're talking about how to make the most of an unhappy marriage. Say you're in that situation, you don't want to change it in terms of leaving it. What are you going to do? Hmm? Let's, let's try and make the best of it. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Some real strategies for that.
0: Good. Well, that is all for today's episode. You can get the full show notes at oyf.link/two slash 227. Find out how you can help go to OYF.support.
1: Thanks, and we'll see you next week. The Marriage Podcast for Smart People is totally funded by listeners who support Caleb and Valinda in their mission to save marriages. If you would like to be part of this worthy cause, open your web browser to OYF.support. A minimum investment of $10 per month will help restore hope to married couples. Plus, as a patron, you'll gain access to exclusive bonus content and valuable information to help you succeed in your own marriage. Go to the website oyf.support now for more information. Thanks for listening to the Marriage Podcast for Smart People from Only You Forever.